Hey, sweet ones. Welcome to a very special episode of the All That To Say podcast with me, your host, Elizabeth. On this podcast, we talk about the hard stuff. A, because I've been through a lot of it. B, because most of you have too. And C, because I really believe that we have a loving God who walks us through the fire. Today, we're talking about divorce, but I'm not the only one who's going to be talking. I want to introduce you all to my sweet husband, Richard. We've been married coming up on seven years now, and he has sweetly accepted my invitation to talk about divorce today. We're also going to be talking about dating after divorce and remarriage in future episodes, which will also be awesome. So welcome to the podcast, husband of mine. Hello. (laughs) So I'm just going to do a real brief introduction. Um, Richard and I have been married, like I said, coming up on seven years. And Richard um, is the hardest working man I know. He is such a sweet husband, such a good dad, such a good grandpa. Um, he's been, he's a U.S. Army veteran. He's been a basketball official for 28 years. Um, he just is an overall really good, generous, thoughtful man. Thank you. And I am really glad to have you here today. Okay. So one of the things that I shared in one of the first podcasts was that most of the things that I will be talking about on the podcast um, tend to are more like relational. So it's not like when I have, if someone has a health crisis and they're talking about cancer, that no one else is involved when you're talking about cancer. It's usually just you and you can say mean things, for instance, about cancer. But in relational things, marriage breakdowns, there are other people involved. And so One of the values that I want to really try to hold dear is remembering that there are other like human beings on the end of all of the stuff that we'll be talking about. So we're talking about this as best as we can from your perspective. Um, So if you are comfortable sharing a a bit of how you would say um, your marriage was obviously pre-divorce and or what you feel went wrong in your marriage. Okay. Um, I've had a few weeks to think about this and look at this question. And my number one thing keeps coming back to time. I think over time it was failing and I didn't realize it. I go back to, to my ancestors a little bit, my, my grandpa and my grandmas and my dad and I think that we only know what we're taught as children growing up into men. Um, they, um, they were all taught to work hard and provide for your family. And I did that really well and I excelled at that. But I, what I didn't do is I didn't keep God in my relationship with my ex-wife and I didn't instill it in a lot in my kids. And I think with our fights over time and our good times and our bad times over 22, 23 plus years of her final straw was, was broken at some point that last Christmas. And I don't think you realize a lot about yourself until you're alone and you have to try to figure out like, like I, I like to fix stuff. I like to figure out what went wrong. So my mind went back to like, Whoa, wait a minute. What, what happened? Why is she sticking to this? She's really pushing me. She wants me out of the house. She wants, 
separation. She wants maybe possibly divorce. And I thought that probably for, I'm not sure now, maybe four or five months of sleeping in the basement, sleeping in other rooms and not giving her what she wanted. And it got, it got worse and worse. And I remember her saying we needed a to cut off an arm to save like the tree or something or cut off a branch. Mm. And I couldn't see past myself. I mean, I was pretty much, um, I don't know if it's narcissistic or self-centered and the, the changes that I went through being alone in a different house away from the kids, away from her and praying that I was alone and that came true. Mm. So I think um, I was in for, something that God wanted me to go through to find out who am I going to be the, the rest of my life. And this was at like age, what, 45, maybe. Mm-hmm. How would you say, like, could you describe your relationship with God during your marriage? Was there even a relationship uh, with God then? Yeah. My, um, going back to my grandparents again, which was, I was nicknamed after my grandpa boss. Um, I was always around like those, um, Baptist revivals and like Mm. people fainting or passing out from touching their forehead. And I was always around God and my grandpa prayed and he cried a lot and he was in world war two. And my mom and dad wanted me to go to church every Sunday. If I was going to go out on Saturday, you had to go to church on Sunday and (laughs) that weighed into whether or not you wanted to go out on a Saturday night. (laughs) I mean, you, you you grow up that way of like, things that you have to do and things that you want to do. And yeah. with, uh, with the marriage, we instilled young life and church and stuff. My, my church life has always been like, like hot at certain times and then lukewarm at others. And mm. I think the up and down roller coaster was a part of our failure too. She was, um, she was always pushing faith in Christ and stuff. And I don't think I was really that open to it until like the final days of divorce. Yeah. And are you comfortable sharing um, how your divorce came about? How it came about? Yeah. Pretty much what I said. It's um, just breaking down over time. Yeah. And I think she thought that one last time wasn't going to be a last time. It was going to be mm. another last time of of this or that. And I was gone a lot. I refereed a lot. I played softball. I played basketball. I did that as a vent to my working 40 plus hours a week. And that was my fun time. But looking back now, I was missing out on my family time with my boys and yeah. eventually the daughter. Yeah. And you just, I guess you're, you're like driving down the interstate. You don't think there's any hazards and Mm. until your car's crashing and you get hit in the face. Mm. And so, uh, um, the divorce was presented to you and then about how long would you say until the divorce was official? I think, um, Less than a year, maybe. I'm not sure, six, seven months. And then the process of that, of like disbelief and not really. I told my mom that 
my mom knew I was in a depression and I kept saying everything will work out. And did she, you believe that? I did believe that. I'm oh, not, you mean working out, work it'll out. work out. It, Your it's marriage. just a separation. It's not going to be a divorce. And then I think when you move out, it's a depression. And then when you are alone in a house that you've not been in with anybody, then that's another form of depression. Right. And then you're laying in bed or on the couch and not eating. It didn't hit. It didn't hit the rock bottom until you you knew the divorce papers mm-hmm. that you'd signed were were in the courts and ready to be put in the newspaper. And then after that hit the paper, I think it was another month long of depression and not going to work. So there's different levels, and then figuring out how you want to pick up the pieces and move forward. Right. Um, this isn't one of the questions that we had written down. So, but I was just thinking how for um, the typical situation seems to be that um, in a divorce separation or divorce, the woman, the mother would have, um, you know, majority custody of the kiddos during that time. And, but so what is it like on the father's side of things to not have that, to not come home? Well, first of all, to your own home, the home that you've been in, and also to not, you know, have the dinners with the kids or, and I know you were all busy and, you know, going and doing your own stuff, but um, how did that feel to not? Um, everything, everything at that point was hard, even like your daily route home from work. Once I got to work, you'd look at your Mm. right turn that you're supposed to be going home and you're going straight. Yeah. And I think for the kids, it was like a disbelief that they had some sort of disconnect that maybe they didn't know how to handle it and didn't have any counseling and they dealt with it on their own and they never visited a lot. And I think that was just part of like the disbelief and not accepting it and hope that it was like a problem that was going to go away. Yeah. Dad'll be home soon. Right. They're doing their own thing, but they don't realize like them not coming to see me for weeks on end was a, was a hardship. And I, I remember I had Emily, the other ones were older enough old enough to be on their own past the age of being a child and Emily would come over for the weekend sometimes and yeah I wouldn't even be engaging with her she would play in a room or watch uh, movies yeah and I was laying in the couch or on my bed depressed and it wasn't really much um good family time with her and I'm not sure how that even affected her as a younger girl and yeah being between two households right Um, when we were, um, when, after we got married and you moved in here and I was going, I don't know if I was going through some of your belongings or something like that, but I found, um, or you put your Bible in the living room, something. And I was, um, looking through it and I found all of these, um, underlying passages in the Psalms and you had written dates and I asked you about the dates and they were almost all during your divorce. So did, was there sort of a shift 
do you feel like between you and God during your divorce season? Did something, was it sort of like a, oh, I, I really need him? I think at that point where you're, I don't even know if I even had cable or a computer or yeah. any electronics other than my phone. I think at that point you're at rock bottom and you're searching for answers and you hit the Bible. And I was trying to like read up a lot on like scripture of like marriage and divorce. And is it, mm-hmm. is it being a Christian being divorced and what do you do? And how I was looking up a lot of that scripture and, I think as I was doing that, I was being like counseling myself through God with God. Yeah. And he was pointing me and I was still resisting a lot there. I mean, I totally, I, on my own, I'm like, I was unworthy of love and definitely was like trying to find someone that would care about me. So I was dating too, too early in the game and making hardships for other women and I didn't mean to like hurt other people, but I did and like hurting people hurt hurting people. Right. I think you've said that and I, I totally agree with that. Yeah. But yeah, I found I think I found God a little deeper and spiritually at that moment. Yeah. Um okay, so that brought up two things of what you just shared. Um one, you used the phrase sort of like you were said uh counseling yourself with God. During like the end of your marriage, separation, divorce years, did you seek out any kind of counseling or mentoring that kind of helped you walk through that painful time? Um, Yeah, I did um, some through my job. I did some counseling. I always found it easier talking to women. I always had a woman counselor and my sister introduced me to a pastor that I still in contact with a little bit now and and Pastor Laura and Tootie. And I think they they found me to be genuine with what I was telling them and and accepting my um fault and not blaming I don't think I ever blamed her. Yeah. Once you realize your part, you don't need to blame anybody else. You just mm. you can only heal from accepting your own mistakes and responsibilities. If you're always accusing the other person, then you still haven't figured out the whole, the whole truth of why your marriage failed. Yeah. Um, that is one of the things that, um, that drew me to you on our first date when we were kind of sharing a little bit of our stories, there was zero ex-wife bashing, which I very much respected. Um, and if, in fact, I think I remember you kind of saying, I did this, 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 and this, and like, this is what I learned from it. And I don't want to do that again. It was very, um, I admired it very much. It took a lot of humility to do that. Um, so you kind of talked a little bit about dating during the separation and too early after divorce, we're going to talk about in another, we'll do another episode at some point talking about dating after divorce and kind of like our process and all of that. But that kind of leads me to, is there anything you wish you'd done differently during that, like the height of your separation and divorce? And it sounds like that's one of the things was. Right. I think I, I think I wish I would have just um, asked more questions with my counselors and pastors of like, like, why am I lonely? Why, why shouldn't I date? 
I didn't ask those specific questions or Mm. I wasn't listening as intently as I should have. And being broken, I think it disconnected me from hearing anything people had to say. Mm. And I just, I just wish I would have used that time more for me and not other women or other hobbies. Maybe I could have picked up some hobby that, that my, my mind was racing. I wasn't sleeping. I went one point before I moved out, I know I went like four days without sleeping and I was like a little delirious. And my mom ended up going with me to a walk-in care and she was hostile and they're like, Oh, you can wait in the, in the, (laughs) but that's your mom protecting you. And she's like, well, he's, he's going through a divorce or whatever. She probably didn't understand it either, but yeah. Yeah. I just, I think I just would have wish I would have let the healing process gradually go and not force it you always want to get to the end without yes like going through the hard stuff and I was putting in the time of my mind of figuring out what I did wrong and and who I wanted to be after that but I didn't take the time and wait yeah and you never know the relationship might have healed a little better that way and I'm sure she knew I was dating I think I was sending her pictures of someone I was going to date now I'm looking back and she's probably like, what the heck is this? Right. Why is he thinking of dating? Yeah. We're not even divorced yet. Right. So yeah, I'm, I'm sure I've sent mixed feelings and I know she was mixed up and all. She went through a depression. Yeah. So it's divorce is tough or breakups are tough. Right. Is there anything you feel you handed, handled pretty well during your divorce or was it all just kind of? I, I I think I handled the the material stuff well. I don't I didn't care if I got the house. I didn't care if I got the new car. Yeah. I moved out with with that, and I know she gave me like my pension or whatever. So you weren't fighting her on stuff like that. She had it all. She had all this drawn up months before. Yeah. I even moved out. I think I found some of her paperwork after after that Christmas and she was on a like a retreat and I saw this what to do and the divorce and how to handle it and what to do and I didn't want to be like petty I took whatever I could and I remember taking like the bed and a fireplace and a few other things and it probably made our house look look like it was missing stuff but in reality, she had pretty much everything left in the house. And yeah. I remember her sister said something to me once about how could I take the bed or whatever. And I'm like, that's that's all I took. I didn't take. Yeah. I took the old van that I was paying on right. through bankruptcy and paid that off during the time. I just I just didn't. I guess I didn't grasp that I was going to be gone forever. Oh, I was yeah. always like just. Just be cordial, be right, be true, and don't let. I, I didn't want to pay for a lawyer. I wasn't going to pay a lawyer thousands of dollars when I didn't have it, and I needed it for my new apartment right. and rent and utilities. Yeah. yeah, but yeah, I think I, I I think I handled the the material things really well. Yeah, that's good. Um, so I don't know if you have an opinion on this, but this was a question that someone asked in one of the groups. And that was, 
so there's, you know, women can kind of have a, men and women are obviously seen very different culturally and there for sure is a stigma with being divorced. Um, and do you feel like men have it easier, harder, the same, different when it comes to sort of the stigma of going through a divorce? You also had kind of a unique situation in that you guys were from a, a pretty small town. And I know like you wanted to start fresh after your divorce. Was that sort of part of it? Like, hmm. Do I feel like the divorce stigma? Yeah, is different between men and women. And if you don't have an opinion, I, that's okay. I think um, the divorce hits different people or men or women at different levels. Yeah. I think that there's hard-headed women and men and yeah. you're not going to tell them what to do and they're not going to learn from it. They might go through two or three divorces and blame the other person. But I feel like there's a lot of women and men that get it and, and search for answers and want to know what, what failed and not to carry it on into another relationship. Right. Did you have any backlash? I did, but I also was writing at the time. But, you know, I would hear things like, oh, you hate men now or things like that. And, um, you know, so I, I, I received, not, you know, not hate mail, but did, no one really said anything. No, I think um, moving out of the area might have helped that. I didn't yeah. hear things. And, and even when I was going through the divorce, I wasn't shopping in the same town. Right. I was going to different towns to shop and. I wouldn't go to a restaurant in town. It would be out of town, away from people that I would know. Because you didn't, you didn't I, want someone to approach you and start talking about it. You were I was, embarrassed. I was embarrassed first of all. Yeah. And second of all, yeah, I didn't know what I would say to anybody. Right. Or break down or run or whatever was yeah. going to happen. Yeah. I just kept, um, I kept people at bay. I kept my friends at bay. I wouldn't answer their text. Mm. My mom and dad were probably a little bit of bay, and my sisters. So that's maybe something too, is you may be isolated in your depression. I self-isolated, definitely. Yeah. Um, so as you know, the audience of All That to Say is primarily women. Um, do you have any male insight that you would like to share to women who are currently in hard marriages, who are thinking about divorcing? I know that's a lot. I know you can't tell them like, don't do it or do it, but, right. um, but anything that they might, I don't know, you'd want them to think about. Like, I think like we started off the whole podcast tonight. Um, there's a reason why your husband or spouse is going through something and it's as deep as yesterday or as deep as their childhood. I think if you're serious about saving your divorce, I would invest time into like figuring out who he is and where he came from. What, what was his parents like? What was his grandparents like? Because being at age 55 now, I was uh, instilled the working ethic and provide for the family and put food on the table and fix stuff the sink, the furnace. I wasn't really taught how to nurture. And mm. that's been 
just over the last four or five years, I've learned how to do that. We weren't consoled through hugs. We were consoled like, get up, get going. You're, you're too tough for this. Mm-hmm. That is that going to stop you? And you wouldn't let it stop you, but it gives you a, a sense of strength with like getting punched in the face. And I could take that and it might not bother me as much as it does you. But if you get hurt emotionally, that might hurt you more than it does me Mm. because I've got that wall up on my heart. Mm. Yeah. So I would, I would just recommend everybody's different. Your husband might be ready for divorce. He might not want to go through a counseling together or he thinks he's not wrong or he wants to be right all the time. I think, I think you have to go back to the, you obviously, everybody got married for a reason. You're in love and you thought that you'd never be divorced. And now you're in this divorce situation. Just try to find the root of it. Why, why, why is he acting this way? And and Buzz was right. Yeah, he, I, I had never been hugged before. I was never consoled. Like if I fell off my bike and was crying, it'd be like, get up. So right. I still do that. I have a hard time even with the grandkids or kids. I'm like, let's go. Princess, yeah. you're not hurt. <laughs> I did that with my son just in football in high school. Yeah. And it's just, it's just a trait of who I am that people can change. And I think if you're not ready to close that door and try a few different things that I, I would recommend that. Yeah. So it sounds like cautioning against, um, you know, the phrase you've probably heard of like the walk away wife of just up, I'm done with zero warning to the husband. Um, you know, so basically try everything you can think of. It sounds like what you're kind of trying right. to say. And we're not saying like, if you're an abuse, you're getting beat up and, Right. They're an alcoholic and they're abusing you psychologically. We're not talking about that. Right. I mean, he needs help for that. But yes. If and you're you need a, to be safe. Right. If you're in a dangerous situation, you need to take an account of that for you and your kids. Right. Or if he's having an affair. I had an affair in my marriage. and Early on. Early on. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Well. 10, 15, 20 years ago now. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, there's different ways to, to mend your your marriage and there's ways to move past it if, if that's the last step. So, right. Okay. How about to, uh, any insight or encouraging words that you would have for a woman who is already separated or divorced, whether she's the one who, you know, initiated or not just any sort of, I don't know, an encouragement, encouragement that you're going to be okay. Mm-hmm. Um, if you find yourself in a depression like I was, seek out friends, counseling, women that you can talk to. But think of it as a new start. It's fresh. It's You can make your story the way you want it to be. Mm-hmm. Don't be. Don't rush into another relationship without yes. figuring out who he is and what he stands for and what he believes. And, yeah. And... Maybe we can come up with some kind of chart. You ask questions, ask, ask how his childhood was, ask who his mother and father and how they treated him as a kid and dig, dig a little deeper than the, maybe we did in our first marriages and, Mm -hmm. and 
when I was 22, I'd already seen four years of the world and my ex-wife was 18. So there's people are young and think that they want a life with a man or a woman and they haven't figured out how to be on their own away from high school or college or any of that. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I think just um, look forward to your future and look to God and you'll be okay. And if you need Elizabeth, I'm sure she's more than welcome to help you. (laughs) And take the time. Yes. Let the time time and God do the healing work. Don't rush to the finish line. Don't rush to the next thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, sweetheart, um, thank you so much for being here and for sharing your heart with us. And I have no doubt that the women have been encouraged and there's a little button that you guys can click on to send a message. So if you would like to ask questions, I'm not sure when we'll be doing our next ones, but we will be doing um, another episode where we'll be talking about um, our dating process, as well as just kind of in general dating after divorce and some thoughts and guidance on that. And then we'll do another episode on uh, remarriage. So if you have questions about any of those things, you can send them to us through the little podcast message box. And I'm so grateful that you've been here tonight. So thank you. Thank you. Bye ladies. I thought I'd wrap up today's episode with a reading from my book, Unraveling, Hanging on to Faith Through the End of a Christian Marriage. I am you. The details are not the same, but I hope you know by now that I understand you. I understand trying to keep a marriage together with everything that's in you. I understand praying prayers that aren't answered the way you assume they will be or should be. I understand crying yourself to sleep. I understand crying on your bathroom floor. I understand trying to maintain the image of the perfect Christian family and how exhausting that is. I understand the shock when everything starts to unravel, when everything starts to be found out. I understand the loneliness, both in and out of marriage. I understand the deep sadness that comes with telling your kids their parents are getting a divorce. I understand the shame that accompanies hurtful, judging words from others. I understand the fear of not knowing what's coming. I understand the worry that you're making every single decision wrong. I understand wondering if you're going to be alone for the rest of your life. I understand feeling just slightly off, ever so slightly less than, now that you're the D word. I understand not being able to stop yourself from thinking you have crossed the line and there's no way God could fully forgive you or love you anymore. I understand you. I understand your pain. But here's what I'm seeing. God is a God of new things. And I've been thinking about how God doesn't just make new things, although he totally does that. He's also really amazing at making all things new. In Revelation 21, it says, And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. In other words, 
God's not looking at us and thinking he needs to toss us out and just somehow start over. He's looking at us and he is dreaming up who we are going to be after all of this. After we make it through to the other side, after the struggle and the tears and the uphill battles, after we make some amends, after we settle whose opinion matters, after we have begged for healing and joy for so long, our hearts are raw after he makes us new. We may each be struggling with different levels of anger or sadness, bitterness or fear due to the separation or divorce, or we're reeling from betrayals that have taken us by surprise, or from realizing we'd been abused all along and had no idea or whatever. But God is saying that he will remove our hard hearts and replace them with new hearts. In Ezekiel 11, he says, I will give them a single heart and I will put a new spirit in them. I will remove the stony hearts from their bodies and give them hearts of flesh. And I am here to say that although it can be a long, scary process, this can happen. My primary emotion is no longer anger or revenge or fear or even sadness. My new primary emotions are compassion gratefulness, peace. And if God can do that in me, dear ones, he most certainly can do a new thing in you. Lord, thank you for making all my things new, for taking my sorrow and making it joy, for taking my fear and making it strength, for taking lies and making it truth, for taking my broken heart and making it whole, for taking my dread and making it hope, for taking my losses and making it service, for taking my darkness and making it glory. Amen. That prayer was from Charlotte Lucas, my mentor. And from Isaiah 43, 19, look, I'm doing a new thing. Now it sprouts up. Don't you recognize it? I'm making a way in the desert, paths in the wilderness. I have created a ton of divorce resources, girls, and I will list those in the show notes. And if you'd like to support this podcast, you can share it, rate it, subscribe to it, or financially support it. So sweet ones, all that to say, no matter your relational status, no matter the choices you've made, no matter if you are in the middle of a heartbreak, you are on the absolutely unconditionally beloved daughter of God. And he is so delighted with you. You came into this world and you start each day already completely loved with no other loves to beg for and nothing to prove to anyone till next time. So, so much love.